Welcome back to the Beck and Call podcast. I'm your host, Merritt Beck. I have been a fashion blogger since 2011, but decided to shake things up by launching a podcast in 2021. And one of my very favorite parts of my job has been connecting with so many like-minded women and discussing all things life, work, and love. And I wanted to bring that to life on this podcast. From sharing new recs and reviews to discussing fun, interesting topics relevant to women in their 20s, 30s, and beyond, there's a little bit of something for everyone here on the Beck and Call podcast. And I'm so happy you guys are here. So let me know how I can be at your Beck and Call this week and every week. Okay, so this is actually my 40th episode this week. Thank you to everyone who has listened so far and been so encouraging along the way. I've had so much fun exploring this new to me medium and connecting with you guys in a different and honestly, maybe more meaningful way. Before we get into a week and weekend recap, I wanted to remind you guys that there are a few ways you can support the podcast if you're really enjoying listening so far. First, share, share, share. So word of mouth is truly the best way to grow an audience on a podcast and honestly on a blog, on an Instagram account. Word of mouth and personal recommendations to a friend, a sister, a daughter, a mother, a coworker, et cetera, is more powerful than anything. So please keep sharing Beck and Call with people you might think would be interested in listening. Another easy way to support the podcast is to rate and write a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also rate on Spotify now if that's where you're listening. But those ratings and reviews go a long way and it takes like five seconds to do it. Thirdly, you can call into the Beck and Call hotline at 214-620-0473 or email info at beckandcallpodcast.com to ask for advice or share an everyday complaint or confession. And at the end of every episode, I share a voicemail and a couple of email submissions. And it's such a fun segment and really gets you guys involved and engaged on the podcast. And these are always anonymous and any topic is open for discussion. So please don't hesitate to email or call. And this really helps me a lot. So that's a really fun way to get involved and support the podcast. And then last but not least, don't forget to follow Beck and Call on Instagram. I created an account dedicated to the podcast, which is at Beck and Call Podcast. And we share episode visual guides, audio clips, shareable posts, and more behind the scenes content relating to the podcast. So any way you feel comfortable supporting the podcast is much appreciated. And again, I want to thank all of you who have listened, rated, reviewed, shared, followed, called in and emailed already. It means the world. And I'm truly so, so grateful for your support. Now let's get into a little week slash weekend recap. So my birthday party planning is officially underway. In case you missed the episode a few weeks back where I talked about this at first, my 35th birthday is coming up in July and I want to throw a party at my house. It'll be the first big party I've thrown in my new house. I moved into this house in like September, October, 2020, and I'm finally getting close to finishing furnishing it. There's still some things I need to do, but it's definitely ready for entertaining. And I'm turning 35. It's a big birthday. And I thought it would be more fun to host a really big party at my house that I could invite all of my couple friends to, as well as my single friends. But I wanted to include men and women in this party which is just easier to do at my house than trying to find a restaurant to accommodate everybody. So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing it at my house, but I decided to not go with the carnival theme that I'd originally planned slash mentioned on here, mostly because it would all have to be outside and it is just so hot in in July for that. It's too hot and I'd be worried about people coming in and out and like getting sweat and gross stuff on my furniture. I don't know. I just, my mom planted a seed of doubt and I agree with her. So Instead, I'm going with a La Dolce Vita theme. So think the Amalfi Coast in summertime, Italian-inspired blue printed tablecloths, lemon-adorned floral arrangements, etc. Of course, I want some limoncello. It's going to be really fun. But my friend Katie came up with the idea, so I definitely can't take credit for it. But it truly is the perfect theme for a summer birthday. I obviously have always had a summer birthday, and I feel like oftentimes people are always out of town, and you always do a pool party or something like that. But I think this is such an elegant adult theme for an adult party. So very excited about that. I've already gotten the bartender squared away. And last week I spent some time talking with local caterers to see which would be the best fit for this party and reviewing menus and that kind of thing before I make a decision. But things are coming along and I'm excited to see where it goes. But 
I am also working on invitations with my friend, Catherine Jezik, and I've mentioned her before, but she's done a lot of graphic design work for me in the past and now does a lot of wedding invitations and branded party items like cups and napkins and that kind of thing. I still have quite a bit to figure out. She's going to come up with a design for that and I need to figure out some other details for the party, but I will say I made a bunch of progress last week and I am hoping to have the rest nailed down by the end of this week or at the very latest before I leave for London on the 16th. And because I want my house to look its best for my birthday party in July, I decided to finally reach back out to the landscaper to install the plants and trees in my backyard. So if you recall, I did an overhaul of the backyard last year, including adding turf for my dog Reese's. I added concrete to extend the patio out. Um, It's because the covered patio part is actually quite tight and small, and I wanted to have more entertaining space than just like grass. So extended that out. And I added tile to the covered patio and then, of course, made preparations for adding plants, but then just never added the plants. So the backyard was originally all grass, which would have been fine, but we had some issues with drainage back there. And I wanted to keep it really clean so that Reese's could run around and not get super dirty every time she went outside. But like most projects, most home projects, the hardscaping portion of the backyard was incredibly expensive. That's why I've waited so long to actually install all of the plants and trees. And this upcoming party was just the deadline I needed to get the project finished. So if you're in the Dallas area and looking for a landscape designer, I used Arca Verde and I really can't recommend them enough. They did my last house too and did such an incredible job. So obviously wanted to use them again, but Bill Bibb is the guy that I work with there and he just saw my vision so clearly and really made it look so good. And I can't wait to see the final product in a few weeks. The plan is to have all of the plants installed before July 4th, which is about uh, four days before my party. So fingers crossed there aren't any delays or surprises. But honestly, I'll be happy to have any amount of plants back there because right now it just looks naked. It's just the concrete and the turf and dirt. So (laughs) it'll be great to have some kind of greenery back there for my party. On top of all of those things last week, I also got a ton of work done. I feel like I've had a lot of social plans happening during the work week over the last month, but last week I was totally free until Thursday, which gave me some much needed uninterrupted time to get ahead with work, which is something I always like to do ahead of a big trip. So, well, I'm definitely going to take my laptop with me to London and Paris. I want to have everything scheduled in advance so I don't have to waste any precious time on my trip finishing something or like rushing to get a post up or whatever. I want to get as much done as I can. So, Most of this last week was spent creating content, writing, shooting outfits and videos, scheduling newsletters, and then also planning for the next several podcast episodes. So I'll be recording an episode with my assistant Liza later this week to schedule for the week that I'm abroad. That way you'll have something fun to listen to and I can enjoy a week off while I'm traveling. So Liza's wedding is now only four months away, so she'll be sharing some updates on that front and what's left to do. Um, So stay tuned for that episode the week of June 20th. After work, work, working all week on Thursday night, I grabbed dinner with my friend Amy Jackson. She writes the fashion blog Fashion Jackson. She came in town for Emma's bridal shower. And you know Emma from my podcast, Emma's Thing. And she also has her own podcast. That's what E said. We've become pretty close over the last several months. And she was so sweet to include me in her bridal shower. And Amy came in town and all of her friends are here. But Amy wanted to eat at Odelay after hearing me rave about it on the podcast. So she requested that. And obviously I had zero objections because it's a new favorite of mine. Funnily enough, Emma and her sister Allie and soon to be husband Zach met for dinner there, not knowing that we were there. Neither of us had posted where we were going. So they ended up joining us at our table and it was so much fun. We had a lot of queso, margaritas, and laughed a lot. It was a fun night. I think I think I'd had three drinks by the time I got home, but those margaritas are strong. Friday was business as usual. I worked out. I did all of the normal stuff and it worked all day. And then that night I went back to Carbone Vino. No surprises there, I'm sure, <laughs> with my friend Taylor. And I finally tried the pepperoni pizza that one of my friends has raved about. And it was really, really good. It was way more heavy on the tomato sauce than I expected. And there really wasn't much cheese which set it apart from other pepperoni pizzas I've had in the past. Like the flavors were really like fresh tomato and pepperoni. It was super flavorful and fresh. And there was obviously a spicy kick thanks to the pepperoni. So I definitely recommend it. 
but my favorite pizza so far is still the mushroom fontina. I just love cheese. So any pizza that's heavy on the cheese is going to be a winner on my book. So that one definitely is. And I'll eat mushrooms on just about anything. But I did like to add some spice to that. So Carbon Vino actually has chili oil on the table, which adds some heat to any pizza or pasta you're eating. So I did pour quite a bit of that on the slices of mushroom fontina, which I can't recommend enough. It was so good. But I have clearly been to Carbon Vino enough and frankly need to give it a rest to try some of the other amazing restaurants in Dallas that I keep hearing about, like the Mexican Shoyo. I just feel like we're constantly opening new restaurants here and I've now gotten into a routine of visiting the same places every week. So I just I I love the vibe at Vino and the food is fantastic, which is why I keep going back. I just really love it. But I think I'm finally at a point where I'm ready to go other places for a little while. So I'm going to take a break and hopefully I'll have other restaurants to share with you next time. But on Saturday, I went to Emma's Bridal Shower at 60 Vines for brunch, which included smoked salmon and bagels, fig and prosciutto pizza, and these orange honey rolls, all as appetizers before entrees and dessert. I ended up ordering the egg white frittata because of all the heavy apps, and it was super, super good. There was a lot of goat cheese on top, and it was filled with a bunch of fresh veggies and spicy peppers that added a ton of flavor. It was really good, and I am glad I got that because of the other heavy items I was consuming, but so much food was had. It was all delicious, and it was so fun getting to meet more of Emma's family. Like I hadn't met her mom. I'd met her sister briefly at the Bat on Paper event in Dallas. And then, of course, I saw her Thursday night, but she's so fun. It was really nice to continue talking to her and see some other of Emma's friends that she's always talking about. So in addition to eating and celebrating Emma, there were a few speeches, lots of presents were open, and then her fiance, Zach, came in at the end for a fun game. But it was such a sweet day. And side note from that brunch, one of Emma's friends is pregnant and unable to come to the bachelor bachelorette, excuse me, weekend in Mexico now. And so Emma invited me as the replacement and I am so excited. (laughs) I didn't already have any travel plans for August and this will be the perfect getaway to finish off the summer. Um, I already booked my flight and now I just need to work on my bikini body (laughs) or one piece body if I'm being honest. After Emma's bridal shower, I spent a few hours resting and cuddling with Reese's, my dog, before getting ready for dinner. I had a really hard time getting a second wind on Saturday night, though. Um, I was pretty pooped. But we went to Saloom, which is a restaurant I'd heard of, but I'm not sure I've ever been to before Saturday night. It's right next to Kamali, which I have been to. And it's in a little strip mall across from Specs on Fitzhugh. The service was really lovely and the food was delicious. The decor is nothing really to write home about. It's kind of old fashioned looking in there and they have a little bar set up in there, but uh, really, really good dinner. I got the halibut, which was super fresh and came with cauliflower, artichokes and some other light veggies. The wine list is fantastic. And then after that, we walked over to Clifton Club, which is apparently owned by the same people who do Beverly's and is sort of a dark sexy cocktail bar lounge situation. They do serve food, but it's definitely more of a bar scene later in the evening. I think we got there at like 10 o'clock. Several of my friends live right by Clifton Club and said it is so much fun and they've been going a ton lately. So I was very excited to finally check it out. And it is such a cool spot. So I definitely want to go back, but the layout is kind of interesting. It's pretty narrow, but it's long. So there are booth seats and a standing bar near the entrance of the building. And then there are more seats with a TV and a smaller back room along with an outdoor patio. So like the bar and booth seat area was packed and almost like impassable when we got there. So we grabbed our drinks and went to the back room where there was just a smaller section of tables. It was a lot less loud, obviously wanted to sit down, but I'll definitely be going back. And I do want to try some of the apps and food items. I've heard the sliders are incredible. Uh, But I definitely, definitely recommend it. It's such a cool after dinner drink spot or even pre-dinner drinks. So check out Clifton Club on Fitzhugh. And then on Sunday, I had my best friend Rachel's baby's baptism, (laughs) followed by a gorgeous lunch at her house. If you follow my main Instagram account, which is just my name, Merritt Beck, you might have seen some photos on my stories with her son, Teddy. He is a total Gerber baby and the sweetest thing you've ever seen. And from what she has told me, he's like an angel child. Like he rarely cries. He's just like beautiful and so sweet. 
And after that, I was pretty pooped from a pretty full weekend of social plans. So I spent the rest of the day in bed watching TV and hanging out with my dog. All in all, it was a wonderful weekend where I got to spend quality time with good friends and celebrate some of their special milestones. It just was a really, really nice weekend. So I'm coming into this week very happy and fulfilled again. All right, now let's get into what I've been watching and listening to lately. So I'm still rewatching Lost, but I was actually perusing TikTok while watching. I was kind of distracted, not fully paying attention. And I came across a video of Selma Blair. And if you don't recognize her name, Selma Blair is an actress who had quite a bit of success in the 90s and early 2000s in movies like Cruel Intentions, Legally Blonde, The Sweetest Thing, hilarious movie, love that. But a few years ago, she was diagnosed with multiple, multiple sclerosis. I can't even say it. MS. And I'd seen her walking with a cane in photos like tabloid photos, but I hadn't really seen what other symptoms she was experiencing. Um, and the TikTok I saw showed her greeting some fans while she was exhibiting some of those symptoms. And it was honestly so shocking to see her like that after seeing her in so many movies over the years. I naturally like started Googling. I was like concerned and was surprised to learn how little I knew about MS and what it does to your mind and your body, like the progression and all of that. And while I was Googling, I saw that Selma Blair actually filmed a documentary about her experience with finding out when and how she got diagnosed leading up to when she received a stem cell transplant in 2019. It's obviously heartbreaking and difficult to watch anyone suffer through physical pain like those that are common with um, MS, but also just the loss of control of certain functions like walking and hand dexterity and spasms. And then she also experiences speech impediments and tics and uncontrollable fatigue and more symptoms. And these symptoms vary widely person to person. And the documentary was so eye-opening. It was so honest. And I just, I applaud her for sharing her story because I don't, I mean, I can't be the only one who didn't know much about it and was just like totally flabbergasted with what that illness even looked like. But I, I cannot recommend it enough. It's called Introducing Selma Blair. I did have to sign up for a free trial of Discovery Plus on Amazon Prime to watch it, but it was really, really well done. And I think worth taking that extra step to watch it. I really recommend it. And yeah, just check it out. As far as things I'm listening to, Emma's bestie Whitney was sitting next to me at the bridal shower on Saturday, and we were discussing our mutual love of true crime podcasts and audiobooks. And she suggested I check out the podcast Something Was Wrong, particularly season 12. And I actually started it that day. I got back in the car after the shower and I finished it by Sunday afternoon. So it got me hooked. But Each season focuses on a different true story, and I haven't listened to any of the other seasons yet, so I'm not sure if they're all set up the same way, but season 12 is basically a long-form interview with the person who was involved, technically a victim, um, and her friends that rallied around her, so it's like audio interviews with these people and of them telling the story. So each episode is about 30 to 40 minutes long. And each episode ended on a very compelling cliffhanger that made you want to keep going right away. I'm telling you, it was so easy to finish. It was such a wild story and something I think we all women especially need to hear, especially those of us who are single and currently dating and like exploring, meeting people that we don't know, like on the apps and that kind of thing. I'm not going to share more than that because I don't want to give anything away. Just trust me. It is a crazy story that'll keep you hooked for all six episodes. And I can't wait to check out the other seasons of Something Was Wrong. That one was so good. So hopefully the rest are as good as that. But definitely check out season 12 of the podcast, Something Was Wrong. In addition to that podcast, I actually bought an audiobook to help me freshen up on my French language skills ahead of my trip to Paris. I actually took French for three years in college, but naturally haven't used it since. And so I've lost most of what I learned. Sure, I know certain words and phrases, but other than that, it's like I never learned the language at all. I'm not expecting it to get fluent in two weeks, but I thought it would be helpful to have a refresher and hopefully pick back up some of what I knew back in college. So the book I downloaded is called Learn French by the DuPont Language Institute. It's actually six books in one for a total of 33 hours of learning and listening 
to the instructor. So I'm currently on chapter 11 and I'm actually surprised at how many words and verbs I do remember. I've, I obviously can't put sentences together, but again, words and verbs, uh, they're coming back to me. I've been listening on my walks in the morning with Reese's. So my apologies to my neighbors who might be hearing me recite and attempt to pronounce the words and phrases I'm learning as I walk. It's really funny, actually. But when I shared that I was doing this on my Instagram stories, a follower also suggested Duolingo, which is a language learning app you can download on your phone that walks you through more visual lessons. And I'm personally more of a visual learner than an audio learner anyway. So, or audio learner. So I downloaded that to do in conjunction with the audiobook I'm listening to. So fingers crossed, I can pick it up fairly quickly. If anything, I'm actually having some fun trying to remember what I know. But anyway, I've got two weeks until I'll be in Paris. So hopefully that's enough time to pick up some other words and phrases and hopefully better communicate when I'm over there. I came across a quote that was shared by a fitness instructor I follow with over a million followers, I might add, that had the most obvious grammatical error in it. And it filled me with rage. (laughs) Like, why would someone go to the effort to create a graphic and type out a serious sentiment, like a serious quote, and then not bother to do an edit or a spell check before posting? And why would someone reshare something that has such an obvious grammatical error in it? Like I have such a hard time taking any of these posts seriously if I see a mistake like that. And I certainly would never share it myself. It's just like the lack of due diligence enrages me. I don't know why, but that's obviously not something to actually be mad about. There are clearly so many more important things to be concerned with in life, but I've realized when I see shareable infographics, memes, or serious quotes that have obvious misspellings or grammatical errors, It just makes me irrationally angry. And I posited this on my Instagram stories and asked my followers to share what makes them irrationally angry and honestly ended up cackling all afternoon reading the submissions. I decided going through the submissions would be such a fun way to kill time on the podcast and entertain you guys this week. So that's what we're going to do. This is sort of what I was getting at when I asked you guys to call in with your complaints. So hearing about what makes other people mad is so funny to me. And it's a lot of the times very relatable. And I feel like a lot of the times we all kind of get mad about the same stuff. But anyway, before I get into y'all's submissions, I'll share a few more of mine. I want to reiterate that this is all in jest and like our very obviously first world complaints. So please don't take this super seriously. So in addition to the spelling and grammar mistakes on Instagram memes, quotes, infographics, I also get really annoyed when people have zero awareness of what's going on around them. For example, slow walkers taking up the entire sidewalk, someone blocking the moving walkway at an airport, or someone being an aisle hog at the grocery store. Another one that used to drive me absolutely bonkers is when people would be late to meet me, especially when they do it consistently. And I feel like I've gotten a little more relaxed about it in recent years, but it definitely still irritates me. Like most people, I don't love sitting at a restaurant by myself waiting for someone to show up. There are obviously extenuating circumstances for why people might be late, but when it happens consistently, it shows a lack of respect for you and your time. It can be really frustrating, especially for me as somebody who runs early. I generally, out of respect for other people and my own anxiety, I usually like to show up somewhere early. And so when someone's 15, 30 minutes late, then I have, will have been there for 45 minutes. And so I don't know, it's, it's kind of a combination of those things. But yes, when people are late, that generally does make me irrationally angry. <laughs> okay, now let's get into some of y'all's submissions of what makes you irrationally angry. All right, the first submission is people who don't return shopping carts. I 100% agree with this. There are few things that bother me more than coming across a loose shopping cart in a parking lot. Not only is it disrespectful to the person responsible for wrangling them together and pulling them back inside, but it's rude to other drivers and people in the parking lot who would have to move it in order to park or enter or exit. It's just, it's so rude. In addition to a lack of respect for other people around you, it just shows extreme laziness, which is also a terrible quality or characteristic. Those people are truly the worst. So put back your shopping carts, please. 
All right. The next one is people not using turn signals. So I actually got a lot of driving related complaints, but this is definitely the one that topped the rest, topped them all. I definitely agree with this, but mostly when people are driving, driving really recklessly or really fast, or there's really bad traffic and cars are bumper to bumper. But like sometimes when I'm on a highway and no one is around me, I'll change lanes without using a blinker. Sure, I probably should, but it doesn't feel necessary if there aren't cars near me. So I'm probably guilty of this occasionally, but I definitely use it when there are cars near me. So, (laughs) okay. The next submission, gender reveal parties. So initially when these first started happening and you started seeing them on social media, I thought it was a cute idea, but as these things do, these gender reveal parties have gotten so out of control and over the top. It's like people are constantly trying to top each other. Who cares that much? And also, do people really need a gender reveal party and a baby shower? If you want to do a gender reveal thing for your family, fine. But like to throw a party and expect gifts for that too? get out of here. (laughs) No. (laughs) Also, the actual reveals have gotten so elaborate and in many cases, incredibly stupid and dangerous. People have died at these things like gender reveal parties have actually caused wildfires, explosions. Like a woman was killed because of shrapnel that had come out of some pipe bomb that they created to do the gender reveal. Is that not the saddest and dumbest story you've ever heard? Come on, guys. All right. This next submission is Apple watches with formal attire. We all like our step count, but come on. So I actually have an Apple watch and I never wear it anymore because I just don't love the way it looks, even with normal everyday outfits. And since I shoot outfits and videos pretty regularly, I'd take it off and then just forget to put it back on, rendering it useless. It wouldn't track my steps and I'd only wear it for like my morning workouts, which I will say I did like to see how many calories I was burning and how my heart rate was going throughout the workout. But if I don't wear it during the day, I'm not getting all the steps. I'm not getting the full benefit of it. So I totally agree. Apple watches are for daytime only. Do not wear them to a wedding, cocktail party, or any kind of formal gathering. They just look clunky. They're not stylish. They're just not. They're not a fashion accessory. So it just looks clunky and it sticks out like a sore thumb. Leave the Apple watch at home. Another one I got was when people respond to your email with your name misspelled. As an influencer or blogger, whatever you want to call me, I get a lot of emails and you'd be shocked at how many of them are sent either with my name misspelled or the wrong name. A lot of these like PR firms or just, you know, spam emails, for example, just copy and paste. And it's, they're often errors like that. But when it's someone else's name, that's an immediate delete for me. I don't even bother with a response because I find it very annoying and rude. But I do understand why my name, which is unique, would be misspelled. It's been misspelled my entire life. So like, I'm not totally annoyed by that. I understand why people would have a hard time spelling it. But considering how I have a very public Instagram and searchable name on Google, feels lazy that people don't bother to like double check before they email. And this often happens too in an email response where I've already emailed the person and my full name is in the signature. Like in that case, I don't even know what to say. It's just, come on, be more detail oriented. I think that's the key here. (laughs) All right. This next submission, this person just said men. (laughs) And this is the submission that really had me cackling when I was reading through the responses. It is so accurate and well-played. I think most, most people get irrationally angry because of men. (laughs) I think they're, they're the cause of a lot of that irrational anger. Okay. Someone submitted when people say what, instead of pardon or excuse me. So I agree that what feels very blunt. Like if you don't hear somebody and you want them to repeat what they're saying, what feels blunt and it's not very polite, but pardon is not in my vocabulary. I never say that word feels too formal for me. And honestly, so does excuse me, unless I'm like, walking and I need to get somebody to move, that's when I'll use excuse me, but I've never really used it to have somebody speak louder. I don't know. It just sounds kind of as blunt as what is to me. I usually say, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like I ask a question. I'm like, I'm sorry if I didn't hear someone and need them to repeat it. But I do agree when, you know, people's responses are a little more blunt than you feel like they should be. Okay. This next one, 
I get irrationally angry when people call a swimsuit a swimmy. Like, are we talking to five-year-olds? Yes. <laughs> I feel the exact same word about this as I do when people use the word brekkie for breakfast. That is so cringy. Like, <laughs> I can't. Honestly, anything that infantilizes women in the way we talk, like baby voices, terms like swimmy and brekkie, et cetera, it gives me the ick, as the youngsters are saying these days. Now, I will confess, I use the word sunnies to refer to sunglasses, but mostly in like written content, like blog and Instagram content. But I don't think I've ever actually used it in a conversation with someone. Okay, somebody else submitted, when I extend a courtesy to another driver and I don't get a thank you wave, that makes me irrationally angry. One thousand (laughs) percent. This doesn't happen to me too often. I feel like most people in Texas give at least a wave. But on the rare occasion I don't get one, I definitely stare the car down. (laughs) It's it's just rude to not acknowledge when someone is doing you a favor, like letting you in when they technically don't have to. And I feel like most people wouldn't just like a little wave. I always wave to people when they do that. It's just it's just polite. This also includes when you hold open doors for people or wait and hold the door open if they're like far away and then they don't thank you or give you any kind of response or acknowledgement, that's wild to me too. It's like, at least acknowledge that I'm standing here waiting for you, holding the door open. Come on, basic courtesy, common courtesy. All right, the next one is hearing people chew and smack their food makes me irrationally angry. See, I agree this is gross, but it's honestly not something I pay much attention to. I'm assuming, I know not everybody who dislikes this probably has like misophonia, isn't that what it's called? When you like get annoyed with certain sounds or whatever. I, I guess I just don't pay attention much to that, to sounds. Again, I'm not an audio listener, so I guess the sounds aren't, it's the, like the movement of the mouth. If somebody's chewing widely with their mouth open, being really obvious about it, that grosses me out more than somebody, just the sounds of eating with their mouth. Uh, I definitely pay attention to table manners and would probably notice if someone ate in a very loud way, but I guess I've been lucky enough to not be exposed to a lot of that. So just you know, chew with your mouth closed if you can. (laughs) Again, common courtesy, manners. All right, this one was triggering for me. I get irrationally angry when people use speakerphone in public. Yes. So I was actually on the Von Lane bus to Austin a few years ago, and an older woman was on speakerphone for the better part of an hour and getting on and off the phone most of the ride down to Austin. And I'm honestly shocked that the bus attendant didn't tell her to quiet down because we could literally all hear it. It's not a huge bus. Like we're all seated right next to and behind one another. And on top of that, her phone wasn't on silent and she kept getting calls and texts throughout the bus ride, each making themselves known very loudly with annoying ringtones and beeps and sounds. And she never once silenced it. She never silenced it before answering. Like if I'm in a public place and my phone rings and it's like silent, I will silence it before I answer it, if I have to answer it. And she kept getting the texts and calls and she, it was just so loud and annoying and relentless throughout the bus ride. That was more infuriating to me than her even speaking on speakerphone. It was just like the relentless sounds that she refused to silence. I just, oh, I could not with that woman. (laughs) All right. Somebody submitted people who repeatedly press the elevator call button after it's already been pressed. If you pressed it yourself, I get why this would be annoying. Like, sir, did you not think I did a good enough job? Do you have special magic fingers that will call the elevator more quickly? If the light is on, the elevator has been called and nothing you can do about keep pressing it is going to help get it there faster. The only time this doesn't bother me, though, is at a stoplight and you're pressing a button to cross. But oftentimes there's no sign that the button has been pressed. So you might press it and it just no sound is made. There's no light or anything to let you know that the system gets that you've pressed the button. So sometimes I'll press that more than once, but in an elevator, you can see clearly if something has been pressed when the light is on and there's no need to press it again. This is another one that I uh, am so shocked by, but somebody submitted when people buy their own gift, like $50 and then ask for money for it for their birthday. Is this something people actually do? The only thing I can compare this to is when I find something I love and then I'll ask for that specifically. Like if I find a bag I love or like this birthday for my 35th birthday, 
I really wanted help with the party that I'm throwing. And so I am asking for my mom's help with the caterer and the flowers. And I feel like that's a different scenario. I would never ask a friend to reimburse me for a gift I bought myself. That is so fucking tacky. (laughs) Next time that happens, just say you already got them something. But that is if you still even want to be friends with that person. That is shocking to me that somebody would ask you to reimburse them for something they bought themselves that you had no part in. You didn't ask to be included in that. You might have already picked out a gift for them. That whole thing is wild. Don't do that, y'all. That is not that's not normal. (laughs) All right. The next one. This is an obvious one. And if people don't get this, I hate them. Uh, People that are rude to anyone in service related jobs. Absolutely not. Those people are the worst. This is a major deal breaker for me on like any date. If a guy is rude to a server or demanding or annoying, I just, I have so much respect for people in service positions. So I just, I totally agree with you. The next one, people that don't RSVP. (laughs) So I'm actually very guilty of this and I'm embarrassed to admit that. But honestly, it's mostly because I never check my mail. I know that's poor form. I know it's not acting like adult. I know it is tacky and rude to not let people know whether you're coming to a party or not. It's just something I'm bad at. I'm really bad about checking my mail, Um, but it is something I'm working on. So I'm sorry to everyone who has been waiting on me for an RSVP for anything ever. (laughs) All right. This next one, meeting people multiple times and they reintroduce themselves every time. This definitely irritates me when it happens to me, but I'm sure I've been guilty of this too. I have a very bad memory. I never remember things. So the way I get around this is when I, when I see people, instead of saying nice to meet you every time, I always say nice to see you on the off chance I have met them before, but I actually made a mistake last weekend. So This actually happened to me at a pool party I went to over Memorial Day weekend. There was a girl there who went to business school with some of my friends who I'm sure I've met once or twice, but we've never actually spent time together or hung out. We just like met each other in passing, like either at a bar or tailgate or something. And so I didn't immediately recognize her. And I reached out my hand saying, nice to meet you. And she sort of gave me a funny look. And I was like, And I kind of, after a second of looking at her face, I did recognize her, but I never would have remembered her name. Honestly, like those situations, I, I'm not great at remembering names like that when you're just meeting people in passing and you don't really have a conversation with them. But I immediately apologized and gave her a side hug because I felt awkward. Like I, I don't love to do that. And I'm never going to be the person who pretends like I don't remember meeting you, but like, I do have a bad memory and I think other people do too. So I wouldn't say it's like, I don't know. For me, it's not really, really annoying unless it's somebody that I've like had long conversations with. I should remember that's sort of where I stand on that. All right. This makes somebody irrationally angry. The overuse of the word iconic. I don't see this word used a lot, so I guess I'm not following the right people on Instagram to see all this stuff. But I think I've only used the word once on this podcast and it was probably in reference to a restaurant or something. (laughs) It's a word that should definitely be used sparingly because otherwise it loses its meaning. So I I agree, but I wouldn't say the overuse of any word makes me rationally angry. Okay, this next one is probably going to trigger some of you. Kids being disrespectful in public places with parents oblivious to their actions. Oof. So this one is probably another touchy one, only because I know Sometimes kids are out of control no matter what you do or bring to distract them. My parents definitely disciplined me a lot as a child, but I was bouncing off the walls constantly thanks to a very severe case of ADHD. I had so much energy and was probably just a nightmare to take anywhere. While you can distract kids with things like iPads, phones, games, etc., you really can't control how they're going to act, just like you can't control how crazy adults are going to act in public. Kids aren't the only ones who have bad behavior, unfortunately. I will say, though, this frustrates me a lot at nicer restaurants. So like at a place like Mikosina or something similarly casual where you expect there to be families, you know, it's a kid friendly place and expect a little mayhem and it to be loud and busy. That's the vibe. But when I go to a place like Shinsei or Carbone Vino, something that's a little more elevated and more adult friendly, that would annoy me. 
And with all of that said, if your kid's acting crazy and you're ignoring the behavior and not trying to alleviate the issue or keep them quiet or take them outside or whatever you need to do in the situation, it's definitely disrespectful to the other patrons of the restaurant or wherever you are who are also trying to enjoy themselves. So I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm not a parent, so I don't really know what that's like. But I I do see both sides of it in that kids, I'm sure, are impossible to control sometimes, but it's also annoying. So. Okay, I'm ending on this one because it's hysterical and so accurate. This person just wrote Comic Sans. So (laughs) if you don't know what I'm talking about, Comic Sans is truly the worst font of all time. It is childish. It is clunky. It is cheesy. I feel like it's used on a lot of kids invitations and just really it reminds me of like really old computers like that was one of the first very first fonts that i ever used or played around with on computers of yore <laughs> like it's truly the worst and it needs to be deleted from computer fonts registries forever <laughs> made it to the beck and call segment. In this segment, I answer a few listener questions and share your complaints and confessions that have all been submitted to the hotline at 214-620-0473. You can also submit these to an email, which is info at beckandcallpodcast.com. And I usually answer one voicemail and a couple of emails each week. So please keep sending those in. I eventually would love to add a bonus episode each week with more of these, but I definitely need your help and involvement to do so. No topic is off limits and all are answered anonymously. So just a reminder, that number again is 214-620-0473. And the email address is info at beckoncallpodcast.com. Let's get into this week's voicemail. I have two questions. One, the Zarina sweatsuit that you wear is so cute. But is the elastic on the shorts, does it, like, dig in? Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there are a lot of sweatsuits that are, like, so comfortable, but the elastic is really tight and just not that comfortable. So I'm just curious about that. And my second question is, is if you were going to buy a, like, not super fancy designer bag, like a mid-tier designer bag, what would you go with? Like, I'm, like, thinking not Chanel because the prices have gotten so out of control, but like less than a grand. Let's put it that way. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you so much for calling into the hotline. So I've definitely mentioned Zarena on the podcast before and certainly have discussed it at length on my blog and on Instagram, but it's truly one of my very favorite brands. I first discovered it on the Charleston trip I took back in April, 2019, and I've been buying it every season since. I have a bunch of their tops and their dresses, and I also have two of their loungewear short sets, which is basically like a really soft pullover and a matching pair of shorts. But the fabrics on all of their pieces are so incredibly soft and comfortable. My favorite fabric they use on clothes to wear out of the house is this super soft gauze that's 100% cotton. I'm actually wearing one of their tops right now. (laughs) It's the navy top you'll see on the Instagram account at Beck and Call Podcast. I'm shooting a little bit of video for this week's episode. So definitely check that out if you want to, but it's just really super soft. It's great for everyday wear. They have a ton of different silhouettes and fun colors. And then the loungewear sets are fleece lined, making them perfectly soft and dreamy for around the house wear. The set I got recently is the Oliver Pullover and the Shane Short, and I got them both in magenta. And you can buy it currently on hamdenclothing.com. That's H-A-M-P-D-E-N clothing.com. Such a fun color. Regarding the elastic waist on it, they're not uncomfortable or tight at all. There's a drawstring that allows you to tighten up the waist if you want that, but I never have, and they've always been just the right fit. The elastic is super flexible and easy to slip on and off. I sized up to a medium in the shorts. I have a small in the sweatshirt but I got a medium in the shorts because I have a bigger booty and hip area and I just don't want any areas to be fitted. I want them to feel very loose and comfy and it's the perfect fit for lounging and sleeping. So I highly recommend Zarena. Definitely check them out. Like I said, Hampton Clothing has a ton of their product. So check them out there. Um, They just have such high quality basics for everyday wear in and out of the house. 
In terms of the mid-tier designer bags under $1,000, a few brands I would consider looking into would be Strathberry, Mansur Gavriel, Oraton, Chloe, and Wandler. All of them do chic bag styles under $1,000 and generally have very understated logos. I'll go through a few of them or all of them actually while I'm sitting here, but Strathberry is a British label and features some very sophisticated top handle bags. They also have really sleek crossbody slash clutch styles. They're kind of convertible so you can tuck in the chain strap and wear it as a clutch. Very versatile, very sleek. And then Mansur Gavriel has all kinds of silhouettes from simple leather totes and backpacks to elegant shoulder bags and trending clutches. And they do each of their bags in a variety of colors from classic neutrals to vivid brights. So there are a ton of options and they're very high quality. All of them are leather. And then Oraton is an Australian brand I've become a really big fan of in the last couple of years. I bought a crossbody last year or maybe at the end of 2020. I can't remember which, but it's been one of my favorite everyday crossbody bags. I love to be hand free for errands. So because I'm constantly like returning boxes and taking things back to UPS and FedEx and all of that. So crossbodies are where it's at for me when I'm just casually walking around on a weekday. But the bag I have is called the Margo bag. It's the Margo bucket bag if you want to check it out. But most of their handbags are between $300 and $600. And they have so many chic styles on their website, which is O-R-O-T-O-N.com, Oraton. I think I'm saying that right. They have some bags available on Shopbop and Net-A-Porter too. So look that up. And then Chloe, which y'all probably already know is a more high fashion label, but some of their bags are more attainable. So especially their crossbody bags. I would also recommend checking out C by Chloe. It's their diffusion line and they have a bunch of really cute bags for an even lower price point. Think like $2.95 to $4.95 that price range. And then finally, Wandler is another kind of new to me handbag brand, and they do a lot more modern shapes and classic colors. So like think sleek and structural. Most of their bags are under a thousand and I'll be sure to include a list of these brands that I mentioned in the show notes for easy referencing. Now let's get into some email submissions. All right. This first one reads, I'm going to be a senior in college next year, and this will be the first summer where I have to get dressed up every day for work. Past summers, I've spent working at a summer camp. I was wondering if you would share some of your staples for looking cute at work during a hot Texas summer. I won't need traditional business clothes. Thanks. So exciting. So since the office is more casual, I would personally rely on cute dresses to keep me dressed for the office. That's just my body type. I prefer dresses and it's so hot here, as you know, um, that I don't like to be restricted by like a pants or a skirt. Like I'd rather have a dress that's a little more free flowing and comfortable to wear on those occasions. So to keep them a little more office appropriate, I would check out shirt dress styles, wrap dresses, shift dresses, and other styles that just kind of look more sophisticated. So nothing too fashion forward or revealing avoid super form-fitting looks. Hems should hit just above the knee or longer for an office environment. So with all of that in mind, a few places to look for these kinds of dresses would be Mango, Ann Taylor, Banana Republic, and J. Crew. I would stick with sleeved options, but if you want to wear a sleeveless style, I would only choose ones with a wide strap. So think like a sleeveless shirt dress. And if you want to mix it up from dresses, great. J. Crew has a ton of awesome pants that are great for everyday wear that don't look super worky. Um, and you could just style those with any kind of blouse, printed or solid. I just, I don't love skirts as much. I find them a little more fussy. Um, but if that's something you'd like to do, I feel like Loft has some cute styles. J. Crew, uh, Reformation might even have some. And if they have a high slit, just have the slit sewn up and to a degree that looks office appropriate. Um, but anyway, just any mix of things you can mix and match. So with, if you're getting dresses, you could go for more solid styles that are easy to accessorize a bunch of different ways to make them look different each week. That might be the best way to, you know, get more wear out of pieces. If you're worried about repeating things, keep it pretty simple and then just accessorize to your heart's content. All right. The second question reads, my question is about high school reunions. My 10-year reunion is coming up this year, and I'm really looking forward to it, but some of my friends are on the fence. Did you go to your 10-year high school reunion, and was it fun? 
Also, what would you wear that says I definitely didn't peak in high school? (laughs) Mine is at a brewery in August in the South. So I started going to the high school I graduated from sophomore year. Most of the people my at my high school grew up together. They all went to elementary school and middle school and high school together. Whereas I went to a different private elementary and middle school and then two different high schools freshman year before transferring to Westlake, which is where I ended up graduating from. With all of that said, while I certainly made friends at Westlake, I wouldn't say I made a ton of lifelong friends with the fact that I was just only there for three years. Um, so when the 10 year anniversary or reunion came around, I wasn't super eager to go and I decided not to. I've stayed in touch with a handful of people from high school, but again, none of us really stayed super close post high school and don't chat very often. If you still know a lot of people you went to high school with and keep in touch with those people, I'm sure it'll be fun. Now, as far as what to wear, I'm, I feel like I'm so repetitive because I feel like I always say the same thing, but I just am always most comfortable and confident in a pretty dress during the hottest months of the year. I mean, really anytime, but especially this time of year, I would choose a style that could go day to night, nothing too dressy, but something that you could wear with sneakers or flat sandals, but also something you could dress up if you wanted to, just because I feel like a middle of the road look is probably the best option in this scenario. So You could either wear it with flat sandals or more casual heeled sandals. You just want to pick something and pick an outfit that doesn't look like you're trying too hard, but you still look really chic and cute. So that would be my suggestion. (laughs) But that's it for this week's episode of the Beck and Call podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast if you're looking for other ways to show your support. Thank you so much again for listening, and I will catch you guys next week. Bye.